Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. That's that. So uh, we're continuing in the uh, Gospel of Luke. If you've not been with us, we are ever so slowly working our way through Luke, and uh, we're uh, coming close to the end of chapter six after about I don't know six months. Uh, so, just uh, by way of introduction, in the uh, in the legal justice system, uh, not, not only here in our country but really anywhere, uh, the judge is the boss. Uh, everyone has a role. The lawyers come, attorneys come, and they sort of present the case. And then witnesses are there. Witnesses give testimony. They share what they've seen or heard. There is usually a defendant, someone who enters a plea. I'm either guilty or not guilty. And then there is a victim, possibly, someone who has been violated or wronged. But at the end of the day, uh, the judge is in charge. At the At the conclusion of the case, the judge will bang his gavel down on the table there, and he will say guilty or not guilty. He makes the verdict, uh, and he has the final say. And the, uh, the ultimate outcome of that uh, determination by the judge will have an impact on the life of the person being judged. The person being judged's life will change significantly based on what that judge says. So I want to, before we get to the title, look at our text today. Go ahead. and This is again, uh, chapter 6, 37 and 38 says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so our title on the next slide this morning is Judgment is Not Our Job. Let's uh, ask the Lord to uh, just give us uh, ears to hear his word. Lord, thanks for your word, and I pray that it would, not only uh, would we hear it today, but it would impact our lives, and it might change a little bit the way that we think, uh, the way that we approach one another, and the way that we, uh, we live out our lives day by day. In your name we pray, amen. So it's, it's uh, somewhat human nature to perpetuate what has been presented to you. So if you uh, live and you're raised and you grow up in a basically a, a nurturing and loving environment, there's a very high probability that you will become then a nurturing and loving person. If, if, if you are the recipient of anger and violence, uh, there's a higher probability. And again, it's, it can change, but it's very likely that you might become an angry or or violent person. And and in the same way, uh, if we're judged, very likely we become a judgmental person. And I think what we see happen in the course of our society and culture is that judgment becomes a vicious cycle that's just repeated over and over and over again. And it really is 
void of grace. There's, there's no grace in it whatsoever. And I would add, we, we live in a culture and in a climate where judgment is so much a part of our lifestyle that it happens almost naturally. And by that, I mean, we very often don't even think about it or do it in an intentional way. But yet in our mind and in our heart, we determine that somebody is guilty, that they're worthy of punishment or that they should pay some sort of recompense or something for the way they are or, or that they're not worthy of whatever because of the way that they look, act, speak or whatever based on our observation. I'm going to give myself up here just to make a point of how this happens. So the other day I'm driving uh, from my house down Canyon Creek Road going towards, going north towards I-5. And it was 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the school bus comes and drops off the younger children from school. And there's a huge apartment complex on Canyon Creek. And so a lot of the parents will come out and they're waiting for their kids to get dropped off from school. So I drive by, and I'm behind the school bus, bus, which annoys me anyway. And there's a guy out there waiting for his child in his pajamas. So in my mind, immediately I'm thinking, you lazy bum, you're out here at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in your pajamas. And then some voice says to me, well, you don't know that guy. Maybe he works nights. Maybe he works all night. And he comes home from work and puts his child on the bus to go to school, then sleeps and wakes up in time to greet them when they come home again. Or, or maybe he's a computer genius and he works from his house and just likes pajamas. You don't know anything about him, and yet it was just immediately in my mind, I saw a guy... On the street, his pajamas at 3 o'clock, I thought, well, what a bum. We, and I repented. We talked a, a little bit about stereotypes last week. A stereotype is a kind of a judgment. Uh, we, we see a person, they look a certain way, and so we make a determination about that person based on the way they look. Oh, that person is lazy, that person is a slob, that person is careless, that person is a fool, whatever based on no information whatsoever, just an observation of somebody walking by on the street. I don't know if you've ever been in a grocery store and there's a parent, probably a mom, pushing a grocery cart full of groceries. They've got a child in the cart. The little child's in the little seat in the back and the child is throwing a tantrum in the middle of the grocery store. And you see that and if you're like me, you think... What kind of parent is letting their kid throw a tantrum in the grocery store right now? But the reality is that that situation is no indication whatsoever of what kind of parent that person is. There's only one reason that that's happening. It's not because that parent is a good parent or a bad parent. It's not because that child is a good child or a bad child. It's because that child is two. And that's what two-year-olds do. That's an expected normal behavior. Sometimes two-year-olds don't know how to communicate any other way, so they throw attention. And that's just what happened. And that's no reflection on that person's parenting. 
The biblical truth, the reality that is presented to us in this sermon that Jesus gives today is that regardless of our level of understanding, no matter how well we know someone, what we, uh, you know, what relationship we have or don't have with them, that it's not our place to pass judgment. Judgment divides people. It creates separation between you and me. And, And I would say that when you live in a culture where judgment is normal, it's preemptively divisive. Division happens before there's any reason for division to happen. We may or may not have any cause whatsoever to be separated from others, and yet we are simply out of the fear of possibly being judged. I don't want you to judge me, so I don't really want you to know me, because if you know me, you might judge me, and then my feelings will be hurt. And so we just pull away before we even get to know somebody. Judgment is the opposite of humility. Humility uh, takes a lower position. Judgment assumes this, I'm right, you're wrong. My way is a better way. Your way is not as good. And, and scripture tells us that God and God alone uh, can do that. So when we, when we choose to judge, if God is the only one that can judge, when we pass judgment on somebody, we're falling into really what is the core of the issue, what I would call the original sin. If you want to go ahead and Look at the next slide. It says in Genesis chapter 3, this is the serpent speaking to Eve. You won't die. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. God knows good and evil, and we don't. And judgment is at the core of our fallenness. It's, it's really, uh, the, the essence of sin is, us trying to play God, in a sense. We're assuming now the power to declare what's good and what's evil, what's good, what's bad. You're good, you're bad. And we do that from uh, our our own perspective, which is limited, it's finite, and it's biased. We all have a bias one way or another, and we're going to impose our bias on that judgment of that person. We make a judgment based on what we like or don't like. Um, kind of set up our own little kingdom there, don't we? God is no longer in charge. We are now in the kingdom of Glenn, and I will determine what is right and what is wrong. And I, I will say who is good and who is bad, who is worthy and who is unworthy. And that's what we do. We judge. We take God off the throne, and we, we take his place. Um, we really are at that point then eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the only thing God told Adam and Eve not to do. They had so much latitude in the garden. God says, look what I made for you. It's beautiful. Just check this out. There's all this fruit and it's just everything. You can have everything you want. Run around naked. It doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. Just don't eat from that tree. And here we are, thousands of years later. What are we doing? We're still eating from that tree. Um, We said last week, the distinguishing characteristic of a follower of Jesus, the what Francis Schaeffer calls the final apologetic is to love. And when we love, we do not judge. You can't, you can't judge and love at the same time. It doesn't work that way. God had a very good plan in place. And sin derailed the plan. 
And then Jesus makes a way for us to come back in the plan. Go to the next slide in Matthew 22. This is the plan. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, all the law and the prophets hang in these two commandments. That's it, the whole picture, big picture. Just love God, love each other. That's all you got to do. Just do that and, and everything will work well. And so when we do that, then we're following the pattern that Jesus has established and we begin to walk like him and look like him and love like him. Um, and and God, God is a relational God. God is highly relational, highly connected. And so a key component in looking like Jesus and living like Jesus and loving like Jesus is being in right relationship with one another, which involves being in community and learning how to live without passing judgment on one another. Now, there, there's a, another side to this coin that I think is important, and, and that is this, that there's a difference between not judging someone and not getting involved in their life, okay? That's called not caring. When we see a friend, somebody that's in trouble, they're going the wrong way, and we think, well, I don't, I, I don't want to intervene, I don't want to get in the way, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to judge them, um, we're missing the point. We, we can come alongside without passing judgment. Judgment says, hey, another fine mess you've gotten yourself into there. But the loving heart of God says, hey, take my hand, let's walk together and let's figure this thing out. It's a different approach. Jesus said, I won't leave you or forsake you. And sometimes we take that as a promise that nothing bad will ever happen, but he doesn't say nothing bad will ever happen. What he says, in fact, is, hey, when bad stuff does happen, I want you to know I'm going to be there with you. And as followers of Jesus, that's our role in the church, is to come alongside of one another when bad stuff happens and support and encourage and walk together through it as he does with us. And you know, the truth is this. Okay, so when you're the one making mistakes in your life, when you're going down the wrong path and things are going wrong and you're messing up, you know it, right? You know it. And when somebody comes and goes, hey, dude, you're really messing up, it's not that helpful. I, yeah, I know. Uh, we've said before Christianity is, is not a spectator sport. And what that means is this, that that's the point at which you get involved. And when you say, hey, I want to be your friend. I want to walk through this with you. I want to help you get from here to there. Uh, it might mean getting a little dirty. It might mean some extra time out of your day. It might, it might mean pulling up next to, next to someone and saying, hey, let's, uh, let's walk it out. Let's figure this out. Paul puts it this way, Galatians. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. The heavy things that your friend is carrying, come alongside and carry that with them and carry it for them. And you know what? I, let's, let's be honest about this part. Um, Life is messy, okay? That's the reality. Uh, it's not always fun to do this. It's not 
always clean. It can be painful. It can be complex. It, it really is. It's a mess sometimes. You know, you, you, when you have, <laughs> growing up, you watch fairy, you have fairy tales or you watch Disney movies or whatever. And, and, they're, and they're also clean cuts. Every, everything is straightforward, right? You, you have a hero. And you know the hero because the hero is tall and handsome and has puffy sleeves. Right? They have puffy sleeves. And then there's an evil villain. And you know the evil villain because the evil villain is dark and sinister and has a mustache. The bad guy always has a mustache. Beware the stash. It's true. Just check it out. And then, and then you have a, a, a princess. The princess is a damsel in distress. And she's beautiful but a little bit incompetent really. Now, I didn't write the story. But the hero comes along and vanquishes the evil foe, does away with the stash, kisses the princess, and they ride off into the sunset, and everything is beautiful, and that's the way it works. But life doesn't work that way. That doesn't happen in real life. In real life, sometimes the guy with the mustache is a good guy. Sometimes good people do bad things. Sometimes people that we might think are bad people do good things. Sometimes, and this is where it gets really complex, random weird stuff just happens. What was that? I don't know. And I'm not sure how we got here, but we got here. And it's never clean and easy. It's never cut and dried. And that's why it's best to leave the judgment up to God because God's perspective is so much different than ours. He, two things. One is God's perspective is overarching. It's universal. He sees things we don't see. He has unlimited insight and wisdom. He's infinite in his ability. But there's one other thing, and that is that he is God, okay? I mean, let's just be honest. He's God. Um, so what we can do in that, at that moment is instead of heaping shame on somebody who's already in a difficult situation, we come alongside without judgment and we empower that person to, to accept God's grace and, and we help them to receive what God has for them and move forward. You see, here's the thing. So, Judgment is cyclical, right? If you, if you judge, somebody else will judge. But, but love and grace and forgiveness are also cyclical. When, when we experience love and grace, we're then able to pass that on. And that person then will experience that. And chances are they'll take that love and grace and that forgiveness and they'll extend it to someone else. And that's how the kingdom of God is built. And sometimes we think, you know, gosh, I'm just one person. And I, I don't know. I mean, I can maybe be nice to my boss today or I can give the barista at Starbucks an extra tip. Uh, or whatever, that's all I can do today, but that's okay. Because as each one of us does the thing that we can do, then we pass that forward, and God begins to work in the midst of that, and that's how the kingdom of God is advanced. One by one, we touch the lives of people around us, and we make a difference there, and God says, now I'm going to use you to make a difference in them, and they're going to make a difference in somebody else. Did you know that in the Bible, there actually is a beautiful princess?
Her name is the bride of Christ. There's no spot, no stain, no wrinkle. And she's beautiful in every way. And the thing about the bride that's the most beautiful is that it's not one person, but the bride of Christ is a collective of the people of God coming together in unity under him. And uh, there's no judgment. There's no condemnation. It's the beauty of the connection of the people of God all together in him. John Wimber used to say, Jesus is coming for a big bride. He doesn't want some skinny little bride. He wants a big bride. And again, I didn't say that, but John did. But that's the truth of it, isn't it? It's a big bride. God's coming for a bride of his people that are all together connected in him, all together caring about one another in him. In... um, in biblical times, at the time of what they call betrothal, we would look at it more as an engagement. But when you are, you declare that you're going to be married, the groom and the bride each had a job. And when they were betrothed, the groom's role was to go away and build a house. And he would build a house for his bride and furnish it. And I don't know if he would, you know buy furniture, make furniture, whatever, and he would put up a fence and plant the garden and get everything ready so that after the wedding, the bride could come home to her her new home. And during that same period, while the groom was doing that, the bride also had a job, and the bride's job was this, to get beautiful. The bride's job was to beautify herself. And the job of the bride today is to cast off judgment, to cast off condemnation, and to become beautiful and prepare the heart of the people of God for him to come and claim his bride. That's what our job is. Our job is to cast off judgment and say, I'm not going to play that game anymore. I'm going to learn to love those people around me, even the ones that are difficult, e- even the ones that bug the heck out of me, even the ones that just... I want to be prepared. Revelation 19. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. The bride is ready to go. And again, we talk about the bride. We're talking about all of us together collectively, not one individual. We're talking about bringing the church into the messiness of life and making a difference there. And, and that's really what this passage is about. When he says, don't judge. It's really about bringing the church into the messiness of life. To what degree? And, and here's the thing, verse 38. You can go ahead and go to the next slide, Thomas. Verse 38 is the quantifier. How much do we do this? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What the image is, is a merchant. So you're going to the market, and you're going to buy some grain, and grain sells for whatever amount for this container full. 
So the merchant might just pour the container so that it's mostly full and say, here you go. But what this merchant does is says, no, that's not satisfactory. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure it's full, shake it a little bit, tamp it down, put a little more in, then I'll pour a little more on top. I, 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 am, going to, I, I am going to favorably give more to you. I'm going to favor you in this transaction more than myself. I'm going to give you extra. I'm going to make sure you have all you need and a little bit more after that. We want to give as much as we possibly can. Lay aside even the smallest little judgments. Next time you see a guy on the side of the road in his pajamas at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, just let it go. Because the measure we use should be the measure that we receive from God, and God gives to us indiscriminately. He doesn't hold back. He always weighs it towards us, weighs it in our favor. He always gives us a little more than we need, a little more than we ask for. This passage really is uh, the reverse side of the passage last week. Instead of loving your enemies, Jesus now says, don't judge those. Don't condemn. Be forgiving. Um, and, and as with loving our enemies, once again, the same, the, the character of the person is not in question. God doesn't say here, you know, do this for the good people or the nice people. It's indiscriminate. He says freely give to those that I've given to you and love them that way. What what Jesus is telling us to do in kind of practical terms is to let that person off the hook. Just let them go. Just let it go. We tend to walk around and harbor those things and hang on to them and, you know, just carry it with us. And what he says here is, I want you just to let that go. So if you guys want to come back up while the band's getting ready, we're going to close with a worship song. But I want to ask you to do a brave thing this morning. So why don't you guys stand with me? And then as we worship, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to search your own heart. Welcome the Holy Spirit to come in and just show you anything that you might have against anyone else that you're holding on to. If there's any judgment, any lack of forgiveness, any condemnation, any unforgiveness, just say, Lord, I don't want to carry those things around anymore. And just begin to allow the Spirit of God to unhook, to let that thing go and, and to wash it away from you. And I want you to know that there's freedom in that, not only for you, but also for that person. And, and it's in the realm of the spirit. They might not even know that you're making that connection in your own mind today, in your heart today, but the spirit of God knows that and he sets us free. And that's, again, how we build unity and community in the body of Christ is by unhooking and letting it go. So um, let's go ahead and go back into worship. If you want to go ahead and shut the lights off. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.